0: And in today, we're talking about being ready to give. God has blessed each and every one of us in some way, shape, or fashion. On some level, we are all at different places in our socioeconomic backgrounds. We're at different levels, and that's okay. But God's called upon us to give from that to Him. From that to Him. As a way of introduction, when I think of a steward, God gives us money. And God gives us time and God gives us talents to steward those things within the lifespan of our life. And when I think of a steward, I think, and, and this is just me, uh, I really like the movie The Lord of the Rings. Anybody ever watch The Lord of the Rings? Okay, well, uh, in Gondor, uh, I think that's the name of the, the, the great city, there is one guy, he's pretty much a looney tune, but he's a steward of the house of, of the place he's not he's not the king he's not the prince of the heir. he's a steward and he is supposed to take care of that and he is he has lost his mind one of his sons is lost in the battle of the movie and then his other one he don't really love he, he acts like he don't love him he don't care about him he sends him to go out and fight in the city that's down in the shadow of the city but then he ends up losing his life, and in the midst of that, the steward goes almost insane and tries to, anyway, I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole movie, but he tries to burn his son on a fire, or a pyre, as, as they're called then. And the whole time, Gandalf runs in and smacks him in the head with a stick and says, you've You're losing your mind. What are you doing? You're supposed to be taking care of this house. You're not even defending this house. You're not giving the people here that are about to be attacked by the orcs and all these people, you're not giving them something to know that that there is hope, that there's something to stand for. You're up here doing silly stuff. You've lost your mind. Guys, we are called to be a steward of our homes and of the house of the Lord. God's called us to be a steward, not to lose our minds in this culture that's embarking upon us and attacking us day after day. We are to be good stewards of that. And we are to give of our time and our talents and our money so that the work of Christ may be on the front lines defending against the enemy. God calls us to be a steward of those things. So as we look at this today, what is stewardship? Stewardship's a big part of giving. If you're not a good steward of your money, you're not going to have money to give. If you're not a good steward of your time, you're not going to have time to give. Uh, we lose ourselves. Every Sunday, you get, a rec- you get a notification, if you're like me, of how much time you spent on that phone this week. Oh, it's up 6%. You were on it for this long. I'm not going to tell you because it's kind of convicting. I'm on it too much. But it gives you this. i got to be a better steward of my time on that phone. And if you're like me, you get one of those. If not, you shut that notification off, and God bless your souls. That's one less thing to be convicted about, right? But, but anyway, you, you, you've got to be a good steward of your money, your time, and your talents. God's gifted each one of us just a little bit different. We may have some similar things. That's why I have a choir. We have people that are gifted to like to sing. So, But everybody don't sing soprano. Everybody don't sing alto. Everybody don't sing bass. And everybody don't sing tenor. So you steward that well. You sing in the part that you're supposed to be singing in. And then you may say, well, I like to sing solo, solo that nobody hears me. Well, steward that well too. Steward that well too, okay? But anyway, we should be a good steward of all that God has given us, no matter what it may be. Stewardship has some different meanings for different people. For some, it is living a responsible life under the Lordship of Christ, which I would agree with 100%. Or said another way, stewardship is affirming God's ownership over all that we have, acknowledging our accountability to God, and accepting the management responsibility for the gifts and resources God has entrusted to us. That's absolutely a biblical point of stewardship. For others, it is giving an occasional offering in their church's worship service. A Christian who has been taught biblical stewardship Understand stewardship as the responsibility to support with all of his being and resources the redemptive purposes of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. The ultimate reason why we give of anything to this church or wherever it is we go is because we want to see more people saved by the power of Christ just as we were saved by the power of Christ. That comes through the equipping of believers in the house of the Lord it comes through those that are equipped to go out and share the gospel in the power of the Lord. But it comes through stewarding our talents in times well. When the King James translators were translating the Bible in English, they chose to translate the Greek word oikonomos as steward. Okay? Oikonomos. And I'll tell you exactly what that word means in just a moment. But that's how they choose, chose to translate that word in our Bibles today. That word, steward, started off as stigweird. Sound a weird word, right? Stigweird. It's an English word about 800 years old. It's an old word. Originally, it meant ward of the sty. Being an enclosure where animals, mostly pigs, were kept. By the time William Shakespeare was writing plays in England and King James authorized the translation of the Scripture into English, The spelling of stigweird had taken its present form of steward, which meant ward of the house. That's what steward means, to be the ward of a house, care for the house. Now, going back to that Greek word oikonomos that I said just a moment ago, literally means the same thing. Oiko or oikos means house. And nomos means law. So law of the house is basically what that word means. An oikonomos is a noun which is descriptive of a person. A person is oikonomos. And the oikonomos was a slave whom the master set apart and put in charge of everything the master owned. In a dictionary, you will discover the word steward means one who manages property that is owned by someone else. Also, the English word economics is derived from the Greek word. It basically means management. In, in the Bible, the word steward means manager. Consequently, biblical stewardship means management. In the Old Testament, we find such steward management in the person of Joseph. Right? We think about Joseph and everything that he did, where he moved on, and he became the manager or the steward of Potiphar's house. And uh, Excuse me, not Potiphar's house, but of the pharaoh of Egypt. Got, got two different stories back. Joseph was. Uh, excuse me, yeah, that's right. He was a potiphar and then he was a pharaoh. Two times he was that way. But here we see in Genesis forty one, verses forty and forty-one, uh, he was told this You shall have charge over my house, and all my people shall be governed according to your words. See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was set as the steward over all the land of Egypt. The only person he answered to was to the Pharaoh, as the only person who had more authority than he had. So he was a steward over all that. He told them how to uh, gather in the grain. He told them how to uh, bring it in and store it all in so they would have those things so that when that famine hit, they would be able to take care of themselves. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus built on the meaning of stewardship in the lifestyle of the believer and in the ministry of a New Testament church such as we are today. We are responsible to Him for taking care of that part of the environment that we are exposed to in this life as a part of our Christian stewardship. God's given us a lot of things to steward. God's given us our homes. He's given us our families our spouses, our children. He's given us our parents to care for when they get in those latter years of age. God's given us responsibilities to take care of our people and to take care of the responsibilities governed to us, given to us through Christ. And we're going to take care of that, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in the most God-honoring, God-fearing way we can. Now, uh, one gentleman, he gives us four reasons Stewardship as uh, four things. Stewardship is the Bible calls for from believers. Four things. The first is to know that all belongs to God. All belongs to God. Psalm twenty-four one says, "The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and all that dwell therein." Secondly, the believer must understand a lifestyle of stewardship. This is not a one-time deal. You don't come to Christ one time. You don't give one time. You give your life to Christ one time. Through salvation, you give your life to Christ. But then you give of yourself for then from that moment on. You become engaged in a local body of believers. And you participate in what's going on. You serve the Lord in and through that way. And we need to understand that each one of us has a gift. And every one of us needs to steward it well. For the growth of God's kingdom, for the glory of His name. Is so that you yourself may exercise your faith in a way that is God-honoring and drawing people unto Christ. Everybody should do that. We have a responsibility as a lifestyle of stewardship. Thirdly, the believer must understand the giving, uh, the giving heart of God. God has a giving heart. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. His one and only Son, that whosoever will believe upon Him will have eternal life. God is a giving God. He has shown us how to steward things well. That is, that, is the, that is, we've got to understand that lifestyle of stewardship. We've got to understand the giving heart of God. And fourth, believers need to understand the motives given from the Old and New Testaments. The Old Testament was generally first just to obey God. They listened to God, they obeyed. Second was the desire for the Lord to bless their crops, their resources, and lives. The New Testament gives, uh, excuse me, the New Testament perspective of giving comes from a little bit different angle. One gentleman by the name of Richard Cunningham gives six motives for Christian giving. He gives six motives for Christian giving. First off, giving is a response to grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, the Scripture says this, Paul wrote to those in Corinth, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So giving is a response to God's grace. Giving is a response to the example of Christ. We see that in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now what does that mean, that that poverty? Christ put on the flesh of mankind and became poor in that sake, in that place, Because by putting on flesh, he was going to have to experience the death just as you and I experienced death. He became poor in that way. And then we become rich because when we put on Christ, we've got eternal life that's going to last for eternity with the Father. It's not talking about monetary things in that scripture. You might hear a a, a, One of these prosperity preachers that are talking about, well, Jesus was rich in heaven and became poor on earth and all this other kind of nonsense trying to make it all about finances. This is about your life and where you reside now and where you will reside for eternity. I'm not rich because I got lots of money, because I don't. But I'm rich because I've got Jesus in my life. And anybody who's got Jesus has got a wealth that, that we just don't really even comprehend the value of. That is, that is true riches. When I know that I die, and I know that one day that's going to happen, it's appointed unto man uh, the, the time of death and then the judgment, I know one day I'm going to die. But I don't fear that. Because I've got a rich, I've got, I got wealth beyond that. Because you know what? My wealth doesn't die at the grave. My wealth continues on for eternity. So I don't dwell in that. I I give as a response to the example of Christ. Giving, the third thing that, that Richard Cunningham says, giving is a response to human need. 2 Corinthians 8, 14. It says, actually I'll read up into verse 13 and verse 14. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also uh, may supply your lack, that there may be equality. He's talking about, listen, if you've got more, give to those who have less. Take care of each other. Take care of each other. And he's not saying that you should give until until you're broke and poor. But he's talking about, let's try to take care of one another. You know what I mean? That's what we need to do. I mean, our benevolence fund is asking for a little help. We have people that call to the church who from time to time need help with a water bill or a power bill or whatever it may be. I mean, we've got the food closet that serves food once a month, but sometimes people need a little bit of something different. So we can give a little bit. Now, granted, you already give tithes, and some of your tithes go to that. But you can also give offerings. I'm not getting ahead of myself, but that's going to be in just a moment. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But giving is a response to human need. If we see somebody who has need, we need to help them out. Fourthly, giving is an expression of thanks to God. 2 Corinthians 9.12 For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So the giving is not only from believer to believer, but to God. It's giving it to God. Yet another example of that tithing, giving is an expression of thanks to God. Giving is concrete proof of love. 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. It's the concrete proof of love giving is. For God so loved that he gave. When we've been changed by Christ, we now have love within us. The scripture tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, it's self-control. If you don't have love, you're not going to have any of those others because God is love. First John tells us. So we got to have Christ in our life, and from that love, we're going to be it's, it's, we're going to be giving people of ourselves, of our time, of our talents. We're going to be giving people, and giving is a form of sacrifice to God. Philippians 4, 18 says this, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. The people there in Philippi sent a gift to Paul, and it was a sacrificial gift. And it's a gift to God to help out there with Paul and his ministry. So giving is a form of sacrifice to God. So why should we be ready to give? The Bible is ripe of reasons for it. It is ripe of reasons for it. But the most important reason is that the ministry through the church is strengthened by it. And ultimately, people are equipped to share the gospel that in turn has the power of Christ unto salvation. We can can give money to people. We can give clothes to people. We can give food to people. And that might sustain them while they're on this earth. It might sustain them for a month. It might sustain sustain them for a week or a day. But Christ will sustain them for an eternity. Let's not give something short of a blessing. Let's give the whole blessing. Let's give Jesus. Let's give Jesus first. Now, granted, we see all through the New Testament. We see through all, all through the New Testament that Jesus would meet the physical need to open the door for the spiritual need to be met. I'm not telling you that you disregard someone's physical need because that would be ignorance on our part and not knowing the Word of God. But we definitely have to take those in hand to hand. Understanding our limitations, understanding also is what I'm giving enabling Or is what I'm giving truly a blessing? We we have to have discernment. That's the reason why you have such things as committees and things of that nature in a church so that when people give and there's money put into a benevolence fund, it goes in and those committee members are asked is this something that we need to do? They pray about it. They talk amongst themselves. They consult the Lord. They go to Him. And then they decide, is this something we can do? It's not just something that we just, we just do. We, we do it through the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Giving is important. Just as you in your own household, you have got to pray and ask the Lord and come together and give as the Lord calls you to give. But we are to give regardless. But we are to give. So let's look. These are my three main points. That's all via introduction. Y'all like that? That took up almost the whole sermon. Leviticus chapter 27, verses 30 through 32. The Old Testament teaches us to give and to be good stewards. To give and to be good stewards. The Old Testament teaches that. Look there in Leviticus chapter 27. I'm going to back on up a little bit into verse 28 Because I want you to understand as we go through this, there are tithes and there are offerings. And there's a difference between the two, and I'm going to address those in just a moment. But even in Leviticus, they understood the difference. God gave them an understanding of what the difference was. But in the latter part of verse 28 of chapter 27, it says, Every devoted offering is most holy to the Lord. Every devoted offering is most holy to the Lord. You look down into verse 30. And all the tithe of the land... Whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall have one-fifth to it. Verse 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. And then I read down in verse 34. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. These tithes and offerings, the tenth, the tenth one that they would hold out their rod and the animals would pass underneath. And when that tenth one would pass underneath, they'd say, this one's for the Lord. And they would come on through. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, this one's for the Lord. And every tenth one they gave to the Lord. Part of their first fruits they would give to the Lord. In the Old Testament, actually, they were asked to give about 70 to 90% of their income. Whether that come through their their crops or through their livestock or through their finances. About 70 or 90% was given through tithes or offerings unto the Lord. So when we look at this today and we say, oh, I don't know if I can part with 10%. Well, you better be thankful you ain't in the Old Testament or else you'd be really hurting. But what you've got to understand is what I quoted from Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and all therein belongs to Him. He could ask of us to give it all. But He asked of us to give Him our hearts. All of our hearts. And when we understand that we are His. And we've got this greater gift of eternity. Parting with 10% and giving some offerings are going to be like, Man, that's nothing... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your generosity. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me beyond what I can think. Now, does that mean that sometimes the money gets tight at the house? Yeah, sometimes it does. But I want to tell you, through my life, I've seen the Lord be faithful. I've seen times where, um, we, there was. I remember one time we was at West Park Heights Baptist Church, serving there by vocationally as a youth pastor, and I can't remember what the amount was at this time. It's been so long ago, but there was something that, that we that we had to have done, had to have done. Not not that we were like wanting something, had to have done. And Julie and I had left the church that day, and we were heading uh, heading to Oxford for something. I can't even remember what it was, but someone had handed us an envelope that day. And I was like, I don't know what this is. You know what I mean? I, I don't like opening things like that. You know, somebody'll hand you something like that. I don't like opening it right in front of them. It just seems weird. Um, but we were going down the road and we were talking about this thing that had to be met this need that had to be met and we had not told anybody but for some odd reason when when Julie I say some, some God reason not odd reason but for some God reason when she opened up that envelope I remember that amount being that amount <laughs> I mean it blew my mind if we, will, and if we will give of our first fruits to the Lord He's going to meet us, and He's going to take care of us. doesn't mean it's not going to get hard at times. It doesn't mean it ain't going to get tight at times. But it does mean the Lord is watching after. He is watching after you. I believe that. I believe it. The Old Testament, listen, emphasized tithing as God's basic plan for giving. It was to contribute to the spiritual development of the individual and of Israel as a nation. It developed their dependency upon Christ. Well, actually, upon God the Father at that time. Christ did not come. But it, it uh, developed their spiritual dependency upon the Lord. It was a reminder that God was owner over all. And in the prophecy of Malachi, Malachi wrote, You bring all the tithes into the storehouse. This was the compelling of the people of Israel to bring their first fruits to the temple. We too are to bring our first fruits into the house of the Lord. We are to first give back to the Lord before we give to any other need or responsibility. The Lord will bless the giving of the tithe and the giver of the tithe when given with a cheerful heart. When given with a cheerful heart. Now the New Testament builds upon this Old Testament compelling. The New Testament builds on it there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I quoted several verses from that just a moment ago. But specifically Second Corinthians nine, six and seven. Paul wrote there to the church at Corinth. He said he who sows sparingly verse, chapter nine verse six and seven. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. It doesn't say that you're going to have an abundance in a good checking account. It says in a good work. So when we give... We give, God blesses us with a good work. Don't be surprised that when you give, God's got something for you to do next. To serve somebody, to love somebody, to help somebody. Don't be surprised in that. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace. God's got grace in all different types of ways that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Giving to that good work. And then God calls us to do Apart part and be a part of that good work. God doesn't want you to be divorced from the good work that is going on that you're giving to. God wants you to be a part of that. God wants you to be a part of His church and be engaged. Giving is expected, but is expected from a regenerated, gracious, and joyful heart. Giving is of all the persons. Giving is of all the person. And many times we just conclude the pastor is talking about money. Right? You're talking about giving. Oh, goodness, the pastor's talking about giving my money. Yeah, you know, just, just a little bit, just to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, that TV's on that wall. These TVs are on this wall because somewhere, at some point, somebody gave some money. We're being able to feed online to Facebook. If you're still with us, if you're hanging in there for the whole service, and you're online at Facebook, you're, that that opportunity and that privilege to have that feature is because people have given. We're on YouTube and on Facebook right now. We've got some programs that help us to be able to meet that need and do that. We've got people serving. we've got different things happening. This place is clean because people give. It's all part of the giving. God calls upon us to be people who give. And he says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We should give cheerfully to the work of the church. The New Testament continues to build on tithing. To include all a believer has and is. Christ is the Lord of all things. And the New Testament speaks powerfully about the Christian attitude and the worthy motives of giving. The tithe is the beginning point and model for developing grace and Christian giving. This This modeling is directly tied to the expectations of giving first fruits from the Old Testament. We can see when Christ redeemed Zacchaeus, What did Zacchaeus first do? The scripture tells us, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He knew immediately, when he got saved by the grace of God, a regenerate heart will bring you to a point to give. And to help. But if you've not saved, you're still going to be stingy. And I'm going to be be honest with you, I am at times, I've got to pray, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to be a giving person. Help me to be a gracious person. So, and you may say, I've got to do that same thing. That's okay. But pray and ask the Lord that you could be that way. Pray and continually pray. Every time you think I'm on, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be a penny pincher for this. Give. Give to the work of the Lord. Give right here. Baby bottle boomerang. This would be an offering. Not a tithe. I'm gonna explain that in just a moment. This would be an offering, not a tithe. Okay, When we do Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, that's an offering, not a tithe. That's an offering. You give that above the tithe. I'll get to that in a minute. When Zacchaeus was radically saved, he saw how his selfishness had crippled many. He immediately saw the need to give of himself. He gave of his time. How did he do that? He contemplated and considered the difference in making amends through figuring the totals of what he had done. He gave his time, because I'm sure it took him a long time. You know, he had made a lot of money off off cheating people and taking their money. So it took him some time, so he gave his time. It gave of his talents. Man, Matthew, we know that he must have been a mathematical genius in uh, financial means. He, He used his mathematical and financial means to determine the recompense of his selfishness, basically of his lostness. And he obviously gave his money. He was making a fair wage from the Romans. I mean, those tax collectors made a pretty fair wage if you go back and you do some research. And he was doing that in in being a tax collector. But he chose to go beyond what he had accumulated unfairly, even into his own finances to give back. He even went into his own finances, which as we see is what happens when you have a radically regenerated heart through Jesus Christ. You're going to be a giving person. And lastly, there in Acts 2, Verses 44 through 45, the need for ministries require it. The need for ministries require giving. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45 reads like this. It says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And in verse 46, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So our gifts make possible the ministries of the church. We link ours with other devoted Christians to share Christ in positive and practical expressions of concern. The needs of people call for our faithful giving john wrote in his first epistle matter of fact in first john 3 17 and 18 he wrote whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart to him how does the love of god abide in him my little children let us not love in word or in tongue but in deed and in truth we've got to be giving people if you see a need meet a need or if you can't meet the whole need find a couple other people and meet the need We've got to be people that are observant. We can't come in here with blinders on. I'm coming in here to Sunday school. I'm coming in here to Sunday school. And then we got blinders on. I'm going into worship. I don't want to see anybody's needs. I just want to do it. Check my box and say, watching, and then and, and, and leave. Listen, you got to take the blinders off. I know it's hard to see other people's needs. It's hard to see that. But that's part of the Christian life. Is seeing the need and saying, I'm going to help. Sometimes it's help by giving of your time. Sometimes it's help by giving of your talents. Sometimes it's help by giving of your finances. That's all part of being a part of a local body of believers in a local autonomous church. It's the reason why you join a church. It's the reason why you be a part of a church so that you could give. And be a part. You see the need. This is your church family. The first people we help outside of our our blood family is our church family. That's the way that works. We help one another out. ministries require that giving. From our giving, ministry absolutely takes place. Ministry takes place through our giving. When we unite through ministry and giving, the work of the Lord can be made greater and more sustainable. Listen, if we want our children's ministry to be stronger, we need people to give of their time. We need people to give of their talents. We need people to give of their finances. We need people to give. If we want a youth ministry, and listen, as we work through that budget, and we work for like, hours that day i mean like i can't remember it's a long time it was it, brother jail we walked through that for a long time and when we walked through that listen you know what's on my heart our teenagers we need to reach teenagers with the gospel children with the gospel adults with the gospel senior adults with the gospel but guys we've got to reach our teenagers and when we went through that budget every time we had we had take a little bit off well we didn't spend anywhere close to what they budgeted this year let's take a little bit off there let's put it over here for a youth minister. We take it off here, put it over here for youth minister, put it over here for youth minister, and we tried to work that out, but it didn't quite work. We've got a lot of ministries, and we got a lot of things that we're going to do this year. You know what my key word is this more this year? I told you is tell, tell somebody about Jesus. It was my first sermon of the year. Be ready to tell, and if we're not telling anybody about Jesus, don't expect any of these pews to get any more full. You got to tell somebody about Jesus. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Malachi wrote this. Listen, listen to this. Malachi wrote, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation has robbed me, basically is what he's saying. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, just like the hymn we sang. Trust me, yes, dip, try me, prove me. Prove me, saith the Lord of hosts, to see if a blessing, eternal blessing, will not be poured out on thee. That hymn comes straight from this verse. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be food in my house, and try me in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it, Malachi 3 8 through 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. When we give, we see people saved because people can then go out and serve. And when I say give, that's the whole of the person, not just the pocketbook of the person. I'm talking about the whole of the person. You give. I want you to know that also tithes and offerings are not the same. They're not the same. The word tithe means a tenth. And that tenth is supposed to be given first, right off the top. It is the worshipful gift back to Christ from His redemption. And a revelation that His relationship takes top priority as the Lord of one's life. In trusting your tithe to your Lord, you know He is going to supply and meet all your needs when you trust Him with your giving. Offerings are anything above that. Offerings are anything above that. Offerings can be dedicated to certain ministries or causes in the church. They are not a tithe. Offerings are anything above the tithe. No one's tithes should be designated. No one's tithes should be designated. Now you can give an offering that's designated. And we had a lot of that. And we appreciate that. We had a lot of that this past year. People designated and uh, we've got money set aside, designated, to have a, a playground for our kids. We had money designated that were given so we could get a new baptistry up here because a baptistry was leaking. We got that done. And we had monies that were designated that were given so we could get those glass doors and uh, replace the wooden ones that had cracks in it. We did that this year, this past year. That's an offering. That's above the tithe. And that could be designated. That's fine. Matter of fact, we welcome it if you'd like to give now. But that's, okay. but that's above the tithe. That's above the time. The offering is. But I, this is what I really want us to grasp in, in what I'm talking about with giving. The whole point of giving, I'm worried about people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm worried about whether or not this church is going to grow. I'm worried about whether or not this church really sees that we are vital to this community. Are we? Are we vital to this community? If we stopped existing today, would anybody miss us? Would anybody miss us? We got to give of ourselves. We got to be ready to give. We've got, we got the same. Now listen, God bless our people who stay in the nursery. Praise God. Same people been in there for a long time, and many of them would love to be able to be out here from time to time. And thankfully, we've got a rotation now, so they they can do that. It works out pretty good now. But where are you serving? If you're capable, where are you giving of yourself? Where are you doing? Oh, I'm just going to come sit in Sunday school. I've got a gift I can give. But you know what? It's just kind of inconvenient for me. I don't want to do that. We could use some help on Wednesday nights with the kids. we got a lot of kids in one class. You know, Misty teaches first through sixth grade all in one class. Now, you can't tell me they're all on the same learning, learning level no they're not where are you where are you church where are you giving you can throw money at it all you want to but if we ain't got bodies up there to serve what are we going to do money don't fix that kind of a problem that's the reason why when I talk about be ready to give I ain't talking about just your money I'm talking about all of you all of you and all of you we've got to give you want to see youth coming to this church? It can't be just left up to Matt. Can't be left up to the youth team. Can't be left up to one, two people. We got, we got to see it as a need, church. You want to see their Sunday school classes full down there? Don't leave it up to just your Sunday school teachers. You go places. You go to the grocery store. You go to the restaurants. Share. Be ready to tell. And then be ready to gather. And then partner together in ministry, and then give so that the ministries may grow. We'll talk about it next, year, next week. Be ready to sacrifice. Be ready to sacrifice. Jesus was—he gave of himself. Listen, when I think about when I think about giving. When I think about giving, I think about so many people think that it's all about the money. It ain't all about the money. Listen, money money can't do half the things that you as an individual could do. Money can't show love to kids. Money can't give a hug. Money can't ask somebody, how was your week this week? Money can't do that. You can. Are you ready to give? Are you ready to give church? you got to be ready to give. If we want to see, see our kids' ministry flourish, if we want to see our kids flourish, period, and if from that our kids' ministry flourish, yes, give. If you want to see our students flourish, and from that our student ministry flourish, give. Be ready to give. If you want to see our adults, senior adults, wherever you may fall in all those different categories, if you want to see them flourish, give give i want to challenge you today where are you giving to this church today where are you giving to the lord today and if you've got something to give give and you may say well financially i can't give but can you give a little of your time can you give a little of your time You've got to love. There's people I know that, that, man, they're just sweetheart people. Sweet and kind, and maybe the, the best thing they could do is just say a kind word to somebody. Have you given that? Have you given the kind word? That's all part of being a part of the family of Christ. Giving of the ta- talents and time and finances that you have. Be ready to give. Today, you have an opportunity to give something right in this moment, and it's your life to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that before, you can do that today.